0: Here's the great encouragement ahead of us on Abounding Grace. Together we can rest and be encouraged and be confident that we have been chosen by God. And we are a part of the body of Christ. We are new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That we can now walk in the newness of life and not the oldness of life. That we can walk in the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of our flesh. That God has delivered you. That he has done the work in you. And that as we'll see in a future study, what he's begun in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ.
1: This is amazing grace i say Entering into an important and interesting discussion on our salvation today on Abounding Grace. Is it possible to lose your salvation? Some are living under that weight. Pastor Ed Taylor believes the Bible teaches we can't lose our salvation and he'll explain why in a moment. And as he does, we pray your faith is strengthened and you're left with the great assurance that what God started in you, he will complete. We're in Hebrews chapter 6 for the most part.
0: Now you guys that are with us, you know last week we tackled one of the most difficult sections in all the Bible. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. And we walk through it verse by verse, learning to appreciate the finished work of Jesus Christ in our life. And even though there's a lot of controversy and a lot of disagreement over certain texts in the Bible... We are confident to trust our lives and to entrust our lives to the God who cares and who loves us and who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, who also rose again to assure us of his finished work. We can have confidence in the Lord. And today, I want to share with you a couple of passages in the Bible that will help to support us in our weaker moments, in those times when God needs to build our faith. Specifically, I want you to leave here today with the assurance of your salvation, that it is possible and that it is God's will for you to be assured and confident in your salvation. That you wouldn't be in a place of wondering, and, and I don't know if I lost my salvation, what happened to it, but rather knowing that you know that God, what he's started in you, will complete it. So notice with me in verse 1 of chapter 1 in, verse P, in First Peter, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, verse 4 an undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who, verse 5, are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now this is a mouthful from a fisherman. (laughs) Peter was a fisherman, and yet he didn't shy away in his relationship with God as a teacher, as an apostle, to deal with the heavy things of theology, especially this issue of election. Election stumbles quite a few people, but it doesn't need to. He jumps in, Peter does, reminding us that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been elected or chosen by God. And I love that. I love the fact that as I look at my own life, that I have been chosen by God. God chose me. I mean, that's an amazing thing. In my worst condition... I was chosen by God. Paul would put it this way in a different place. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. It is God's sovereign privilege to choose us. And he did. Notice we find in Ephesians chapter 1 that he chose us from before the foundations of the earth. And then from Peter we learn that God chose us according to his foreknowledge, which is very important. It is God's will to save based upon his foreknowledge of who will accept him. It's God's choice of us based upon his knowledge that we'll choose him. Now, God knows the end from the beginning. You and I don't have that kind of knowledge. We don't know the end from the beginning. We experience life in time. And just what's in front of us, or or a better way of saying that is we experience life through snapshots, one picture at a time. And we walk along a linear line of time. But God is outside of time. So he can see it all at once in his, we call that the doctrine of his omniscience, that God knows all things. God knows the whole story before it's written so that in his foreknowledge, he sees the future as if it was today. And so God knows and sees all and chose us because of his foreknowledge, that we chose him. It's an incredible doctrine. Let me give it to you a different jot this down actually turn over turn over to 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 I want you to see this we'll put a couple of different perspectives on here as we lay a foundation on the significance of your assurance remember last time in Hebrews chapter 6 there are those that would try to use chapter 6 to unsettle your souls to twist it around to take away your assurance but that would be taking that passage out of its context and out of the context of the entirety of the scriptures. So notice with me, First Thessalonians chapter one, pick up with me in verse four. First Thessalonians one, verse four, "Knowing beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance." As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see this all over the Bible. And if you pay attention to it, you will see these two things in tension all the time. Number one, you will see the sovereignty of God. You see that right here in verse 4. You see the election of God, his sovereign choice. He tells the Thessalonian believers, you guys know you were chosen. You guys know you were elected. And that's God's work. And then notice in verse 6, they also received the word. They received the word. They became followers That's man's choice. So you see God's choice and you also see man's choice. And they both exist throughout the scriptures. You have a choice of what some would call a free will. The ability to make decisions where you remain responsible for them. There's always God's choice and there's man's choice. God's action... And our action. God's initiation, our response. And God's choice goes with you believing in him. And God made it so simple. In the most popular Bible verse in all time, you see the same thing. God's work, your work. God's choice, your choice. Where it begins in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, God's work, God's choice. So that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So you've got God's work, your response. God's sovereignty, your choice. It's all over the Bible. There isn't a, the problem with this is not that it exists in the Bible. The problem with this is that we don't understand it the question always comes up, how is it possible that God is sovereign and yet we still make a choice? And it's in that tension that much frustration is born. The door is open to whoever Or in the old King James, I always like that. I use that word uh, from the old King James, whosoever. Whosoever. The door's open to whosoever. And let me just say, not only am I I encouraged by the doctrine of election, but I am encouraged that God opened the door to whosoever. Because that's a pretty broad opening. And that opening included somebody like me. I was a whosoever. How about you? You a whosoever? You fit that context and that category. If you believe you're saved. If you don't believe, you're lost. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus would put it this way in John chapter 3 verse 36. I love the simplicity of all the complicated difficulties in the Bible. Most of it's very simple to understand, and Jesus put it this way. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You ever wonder now? You ever wonder if you're chosen or not? You sit around and go, I wonder if God chose me. I don't really know. Well, here's the answer to that. Because if you were come to me and you'd say, Ed, uh, I don't know. Am I, did God choose me? My answer to you would have to be, I don't know. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Then you're chosen. Well, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? No, I don't. Well, then it puts your question back in the category of, I don't know. Why don't you believe? And then you begin to answer. If you choose God today, then you can know that you've been chosen. If you choose God today, you're one of the elect. You see, the Bible never teaches. The Bible never teaches anywhere that God chooses some for salvation and God chooses some to damnation. The Bible never teaches that anywhere. That is a man-made doctrine. God does not allow man to blame him for going to hell. The responsibility is purely on you and me. God's sovereignty does not trample man's free will. They both exist. Jot these down. Let me give you a couple examples in Acts chapter 2. They're all over the Bible. We've already looked at a few, but they're all over the Bible. Acts chapter 2 verse 23. Speaking of the crucifixion of Jesus, it says, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. So the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is according to the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. That's God's sovereignty. And then the scripture goes on to say, you, speaking to men, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. That's what man did. Man crucified Jesus Christ according to the predetermined foreknowledge of God. It's mind-blowing. Acts chapter 13, verse 48. And now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. That's man. When they heard the word of God proclaimed, they were glad, they glorified the name of the Lord, and then there's the sovereignty of God. And as many as have been appointed to eternal life, believed. You see, we must have a free will, which is defined as the ability to make an independent decision by which we are 100% responsible. Free will is necessary in order for us to have fellowship with one another or to experience a love relationship. Forced love is not love at all. Love is to be shared and appreciated and extended and received. It cannot be forced upon a person. We aren't merely controlled by fate, as many believe. The doctrine of the sovereignty of God is not the false teaching of fate. It's not a fatalistic view. God's sovereignty, as you see throughout the Scripture, is flexible in operation as he adapts himself to the condition of human hearts. God condescends to meet us at our level. Imagine that for a second. The God of all the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things, would come to our level in order to rescue us from our sins. And you say, Ed, where does that happen? Well, first of all, it happens all throughout the scriptures. It began right in the Garden of Eden where God condescended himself to his creation, creating Adam and Eve. It started right there. But the culmination of God condescending to our level, he condescends to our level without losing his deity, without losing his sovereignty, without losing his power, without losing his privilege. He loses nothing. He only gains relationship with those that turn to him. And the culmination of God's condescending to our level is found in the person of Jesus Christ, where God the Son left eternity and came to earth and took on a human body and walked the same earth that you walked. And remember, we learn in Hebrews, he's a high priest that what? Has compassion on us. Why? Because God met you where you were. And every religion has it upside down, doesn't don't they? Religion says, work your way to God. Work hard. Follow all the processes. Do all the rituals. And if you work hard, maybe one day you'll meet and you'll finally make it. And so many religions do not teach of an assurance of God's work, but rather make it dependent upon your work and work hard and maybe you'll make it. But God comes in relationship and says, I finish the work. I'm not going to make you come to my level. I'm coming to your level and bringing you with me. That's pretty powerful. I mean, that's encouraging because we are incapable of giving God to anything that would merit our salvation. It is only forever will be by grace, <laughs> undeserved and unearned. And so Peter, man, he jumps right in. And he says, "We're elect. We're chosen." The greatest display of God's ability and the greatest display of God's power is to come to us, to reach down to us. Let's go down just a little deeper as we come to the real heart of the matter. We're reminded today of God's choosing us because God wants you to remember this. In the whole world, populated with billions of people, even now, I didn't look up the latest number, but billions of people populating the planet today, billions. It's a number that our minds can't even really conceive. That you, by faith in Jesus Christ, are chosen by God. That you're not an accident. That you're not a mistake. That no matter what happened in your life, what family you grew up in, how you were conceived, what you've experienced, the pain that you're going through now. The difficulties that you're under, you have been specifically handpicked by God to be in His family. <laughs> that is pretty cool to think that God chose you and chose us to be a part of the family of God. That there are countless people not experiencing a relationship with God because they have yet to bow the knee. That God, by His Spirit, it says in verse 2, is sanctifying us. And I know that's a fancy word, but we don't want to get rid of that word. It's a powerful word. And it means to be changed, sanctified, to be set apart, to be used in a special way. That you were once going in one direction, and now because of the sovereign election of God and your submission to Him by faith, you you live a life that's set apart for the things of God. It's just... It's just... It's just hard to conceive sometimes, especially those of you that got saved a little later in life, where God allowed you to do your own thing for years, and you chose to do your own thing. And it was a very painful path and very difficult. And you look back and you go, Wow, God, you plucked me out of the pit, out of the miry clay. It could have ended really, really bad. But God, because of your grace, it's going to end very, very well and very good. I, sometimes I'm overwhelmed by it. You know, you guys, with the, with the exception of, of my wife, there's not many people in this particular church that know the old Ed. And let me just say, that's a good thing. Because he wasn't a very good man. And he wasn't a very kind man. And he wasn't a very nice man. And he had no desire for the things of God. And we have the privilege, pretty much I also now, many, not everyone, but many in the church, I don't know the old you either. And that's just better than you not knowing the old me. That I didn't have to experience and we didn't have to experience it together. That together we can rest and be encouraged and be confident that we have been chosen by God. And we are a part of the body of Christ. We are new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That we can now walk in the newness of life and not the oldness of life. That we can walk in the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of our flesh. That God has delivered you. That he has done the work in you. And that as we'll see in a future study, what he's begun in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have to have that confidence and that insurance. So check this out, verse three now. That was just the introduction. He says, blessed be the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Turn over to verse 23, same chapter. Verse 23, having been born again not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so Peter's in this place. He just blesses God for being born again. (laughs) He blesses God for the new living hope that we have in Christ by faith. He's just overwhelmed by Bless God who saved us. Bless God that saved us to a living hope. That's the big difference, isn't it? We now have a life of hope. Hope for today, strength for today, hope for tomorrow. We've been born into hope. And it's the best description we have that God does. He gives a new nature. The phrase born again didn't start with Peter. The phrase born again came from Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 verse 3, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke of this new life and he put it outside of the realm of human ability. Because that's what, remember he was talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus is all tripping out. He's like, what? I'm gonna climb back into my mother's womb? He said, no, 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 no. This is spiritual. This is a spiritual work. You're gonna be given new life. You're gonna become a new person. You are going to, to live in a way that glorifies God with his power and his dwelling inside of you. And it's a living hope. We're not hoping... For death, church, we're hoping for life. You live in the hope of life today. We have hope in Jesus Christ. You know when you're talking to somebody about difficulties in their lives, and you're talking to somebody about the, the issues of their life, and the perspective of God, it's important that you encourage those that are struggling, it's encouraged that you, in, that you remind the believers in Jesus Christ that are wrestling with issues in their life of their living hope that everything that they're facing today is not hopeless, that they are saved by grace and that they are living in a hope-filled life. It's not hopeless anymore. Sometimes struggles and issues, mistakes, sinful mistakes, cause believers to really believe that they're not saved anymore. I mean, you can blow it so bad that your mind will play tricks on you and you'll just think, man, maybe I'm not saved after all. Maybe I lost my salvation. But see, the Bible says that you have been born again to a living hope. It never dies. You have a hope that lives on into eternity.
1: Isn't that great? We have a hope that lives on into eternity as Christ followers. We're enjoying a study in Hebrews here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher on the program, and you can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and also through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org and look for his podcast, Lead to Serve, on Apple Podcasts. That's Lead, the number two, Serve. There he discusses the value of servant leadership. Thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Skip Heitzig's book, How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. Maybe you're not getting a lot out of your time in the Word these days, or you're unsure how to go about it. Allow Pastor Skip to help you through this wonderful book. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation to the ministry and not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime... Let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace.